Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The Lord Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verses 42 through 45, And whoever stumbles one of these little ones who believe into me, it is better for him if a great millstone is placed around his neck and he is thrown into the sea. And if your hand stumbles you, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than to have two hands and go away into Gehenna, into unquenchable fire. And if your foot stumbles you, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into Gehenna. This is Matt Miller with Bill Lawson for a life study touching the believer's reward and punishment in the next age. Welcome back, Bill. It's good to be back, Matt. As you're reading the verses, I think it's quite sobering that we realize that there are different ages in the Lord carrying out of his purpose. Of course, there's the age of the Old Testament and the law and so on. Then when the Lord came, you know, he brought in the age of the church. And then at the end of the age of the church, we know that he will bring in the age of the kingdom. So here we need to realize that we have to live a particular kind of proper Christian life in this age, or we may suffer some kind of chastisement in the coming age. Bill, uh, the life study that we're going to cover today is printed life study message number 28. It is available for our listeners if they want to go online to lsm.org and read that life study in its entirety. There's a lot here today, and we're going to get into this matter of reward and punishment. That's the main point of the program. But before we do, in the context of Mark chapter 9, the Lord has a little conversation with some of his disciples, and we've been talking about these conversations in past programs because the sequence of Mark is very important. So the sequence leading up to the verses I just read are verses 38 and 39. So I'm going to read those before we go to Witness Lee to help set the context and the progression of what's going on here. This is verses 38 through 40 of Mark chapter 9. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for there is no one who will do a work of power in my name and be able soon to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. In the coming portion here, Bill, with Witness Lee, he's going to refer to a seeming contradiction, a paradox in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. So I'll read it now just so the listeners are clear. This is Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Here's Witness Lee. Verse 38, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, who does not follow us, and we forbade him. He didn't say, I forbade. Actually, it was he. (laughs) 
because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not forbid. There is no one who shall do a work of power in my name and be able to speak evil of me. For he who is not against me is for me. You have to remember, in Matthew 12, the Lord says, he who is not with me is against me. If I were Peter there, I would say, Lord Jesus, don't you remember? You did say in Matthew 12, <laughs> he who is not with me is against me. I must tell the truth. For years, years, I didn't understand. How could reconcile this? Every verse of this conversation is a puzzle. You need to look into these verses in the light of that vision. Christ and his death and his resurrection. Okay. We are a group following Jesus. See? We are so close to Jesus. Always going along with Jesus. And I am John. <laughs> the son of the sender. <clears throat> now, we saw this guy. He cast out the demons in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yet, he wouldn't follow us. He wouldn't follow us. I don't like him. <laughs> he is divisive. He caused trouble. So I forbid him. Either you come along with us, or you stop. <laughs> now, you think about me. Do I leave Christ? No more I? But Christ? No, not a bit. Just a natural sin of cinder. You see? I am this kind of person. What kind of person? Natural. Not normal I, but still I. Too much I. But I said, don't do it. He that is not against us is for us. All the believers are mine. You should treat him not by forbidding. You should treat him by giving him a cup of water. And this will be remembered by the Lord. And we all will receive reward of the Lord. Bill, we've got a puzzle to put together here. As Witness Lee said, all these verses are like a puzzle. Before you respond, I'd like to read a portion about this apparent contradiction of the Lord from what he spoke in the Gospel of Matthew and what he spoke here in chapter 9 of Mark. And this is from page 247 of the Life Study of Mark. I'm just going to read this, and then I'll let you comment. Actually, there is no contradiction between these verses. Both issued from the slave Savior's mouth and may be considered maxims. The maxim in Mark chapter 9, verse 40, speaks of the outward formality in practice regarding those who are not against the slave Savior, in verse 39. The maxim in Matthew speaks of inward unity for purpose regarding those who are against him. And that's in Matthew chapter 12, 24, where they called him being of Beelzebub. 
To maintain inward unity, we need to practice the word in Matthew. And for the outward formality, we should practice the word here and tolerate believers who are different from us. Uh, Right, Matt. When you uh, asked me to comment here, I think all the believers, uh, not only us in this day and age, but through the centuries, when they have read Matthew 12 and Mark 9, they have probably just scratched their heads. How can we reconcile these two verses? They were both spoken by the Lord. Uh, Apparently, they contradict one another. And, of course, probably some would say, well, see, this is an argument that there's mistakes in the Bible, but we know that's an impossibility. Chronologically, Matt, the word spoken by the Lord in Matthew preceded that of Mark chapter 9. That means the Lord said that he who is not with me is against me. He uttered that to the disciples before this word in uh, Mark 9 on he who is not against us is for us. In Matthew 12, when he talked about he who is not with me is against me, of course, his audience there were unbelieving Pharisees and the Jewish ones who were opposing the Lord at that time, and they were absolutely not with the Lord or for him or to carry out his purpose on the earth. So in that sense, they were against the Lord. And this involves a matter of inward oneness for purpose. There was no sameness of the purpose. The purpose of the Pharisees in in opposing the Lord and the Lord's purpose were absolutely different. They were not one and the same. So in that sense, the Lord says, these ones are against me. But in the case there in Mark chapter 9, that's another believer there that John was referring to. John was upset. You know, he was rash, a son of thunder. He was upset that he saw another genuine believer in the Lord who was casting out demons in the Lord's name. And the Lord acknowledged that that is a genuine believer's Uh, So there, the Lord said, he who is not against us is for us. And that talks about the matter of outward conformity. We have to be very careful, Matt, as believers. We always expect believers in the Lord to conform to our outward practices. You know, believers, we all have outward practices. We have differences in doctrinal understandings, as Paul talked about in Romans 14. We have differences in the days that we keep. Some want to keep the Sabbath, some keep another day. We have differences and what we eat. Some believers, you know, they may eat uh, just only vegetables and some eat only meats. We have all kinds of differences in our practices, in our keeping certain days, in our certain doctrines that we have studying the Bible. We have to be very careful that we do not forbid others to do something in the Lord's name, and they are genuine believers. We may have differences in preaching the gospel in one way or another way. Here there was a difference in casting out demons. So the Lord says, these ones, these fellow believers, believers are all mine. They're all my children, and we have to be very wise not to have other believers conform to our outward practices. We have to be very general in receiving them because they're believers in Christ, and we are all the genuine children of God. Bill, there's a lot here, and uh, we could dwell on this because actually we're not touching everything. There's a lot more in the life stage, but we're going to have to go back to Witness Lee and keep going because there's a lot more, I would say, the meat still to cover of this particular life study. Here's Witness Lee. And whoever tembles one of these little ones who believe in me, this is serious. And if your hand tembles you, you have to realize to stumble anyone is serious. 
to have yourself stumbled by any part of your flesh body is also serious. Because this man will suffer the unquenchable fire. Uh, whom will this punishment be? No doubt in the coming age. Because verse 45 says, If your foot stumbles you, cut it off, it is better for you to enter into a life. And this life is the enjoyment of the eternal life in the coming age. You need entire Matthew to explain to you concerning this matter to enter into the eternal life. You see, here it doesn't mean to receive the eternal life. You have received the eternal life at the time when you were regenerated. But in the coming age, when the kingdom is manifested, will you enter into the enjoyment of that eternal life or not? It is pending. You see, you may have some lust in your hand. You may have some lust in your foot. You may have some lust in your eyes, which lust may stumble you. And that will cause you to lose the common enjoyment of the eternal life in the kingdom age. Rather, you'll be punished by fire. You mean, my, this is serious. How could the redeemed ones suffer such a punishment? Isn't Christ's redemption complete? Yes, Christ's redemption is complete and adequate. But the New Testament tells us that the real believers who have been fully redeemed by Christ will still suffer God's discipline, suffer God's chastisement. In spite of how much Christ's redemption is complete on you, still, if you don't take Christ, if you don't pray to say no more I but Christ, Amen. you will be stumbled. You will suffer a punishment rather than to enjoy the eternal life in the coming age. This depends upon you today how to live. Well, Bill, this is a good point to stop at uh, a very sober word we're touching here. I, this is what I would call the meat of our program. Right. I'm going to let you comment. Before you do, I want to underscore one point here in that eternal salvation is by faith, right. having nothing to do with our work. This is clear from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Right. Whereas the reward is for our work after we're saved, and that's clear from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 and 14. Please develop the Lord's word here related to a reward and enter into life. Of course, in this background here, uh, the Lord is really, Matt, trying to minister and uh, unveil to the disciples how serious it is for us to live the proper Christian life after we receive the Lord's salvation. Of course, Ephesians 2 tells us, by grace we are saved through faith, not of works, or else we can boast in works. So we know salvation is strictly, absolutely a matter by faith. But after a person is saved, 
and receives the Lord's divine life, the Lord wants us to live according to that divine life and to mature in that divine life and uh, for us to be replaced by the Lord through his death and resurrection and be uh, our universal replacement. So if we live a proper Christian life after we have received the life in the church age today, then in the coming age, Matt, we will enter into that enjoyment of the divine life in the coming age. We receive the eternal life in this age, and if we live according to the life, we don't stumble other believers, if we receive the other believers properly, and we don't do things like John and and James, sons of thunder, forbidding others, you know, wanting to be greater, wanting to be a person and that kind of person, then the Lord will reward us in the coming age with more enjoyment of the eternal life that we gain in this age. So it's like a win win situation. We enjoy the Lord's eternal life in this age, and then we uh, don't stumble the other believers. We have an inward unity of purpose. We don't, you know, uh, impose our standards on others. We don't expect a conformity of other believers to do and be what, you know, we think they should be. If we do that, then the Lord will reward us with a rich enjoyment of that eternal life that we enjoy in this age. Bill, you know, I think it's a hard word for many Christians to hear that Christians could suffer a punishment from the Lord from a failure during their life now. But, you know, it's not us saying this. This is the Lord's word. I mean, the Lord is the one who said that if we are stumbled by a member of our body, mm-hmm. we may be cast into unquenchable fire. Right. This isn't our word. Right. Of course, Matt, like you say, that does not mean our whole being will go into the lake of fire and perish eternally. No, it does not mean that, because once we are regenerated, we are saved forever. But it's the life that we live after we are regenerated. That will determine if we are rewarded in the coming age with more of the eternal life that we enjoy in this age, or we'll be chastised in the coming age and have to suffer some kind of punishment to prepare us and to mature us to get us ready for the eternal age of the new Jerusalem. There's a lot more here, Bill, uh, even Revelation 2.11. Bill, there's a short few sentences in the life study that I want to read here just to make this point clear. On the bottom of page 249, in Mark 9.43, unquenchable fire is in apposition to Gehenna. According to the context, it denotes a dispensational punishment suffered by the defeated believers, such as being hurt of the second death in Revelation 2.11. As used in this verse, it does not refer to eternal perdition. Well, let's go on. Let me read verses 49. We're going to talk more about uh, this purging fire because uh, the Lord uses a phrase here that's quite striking. Verses 49 and 50 of Mark chapter 9. For everyone shall be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you restore its saltiness? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. You must live a prayer life, always calling on the name of the Lord and telling him, Lord, no more I but you. I fully realize I have been terminated on the cross, that you are living in me in your resurrection. Then you will overcome your hand, your foot, your eyes. You will overcome. 
you will be such a person enjoying him as everything to your daily living. You just live Christ. Then nothing will stumble you. Neither you will stumble others. This will bring you into the enjoyment of the eternal life in the kingdom of age. This means to enter into the coming kingdom. To stay away from God's dispensational punishment. Just a temporary punishment for a certain period of time. To use the fire as salt to salt you. The fire will be a kind of salt to kill all the lost germs that you have been carrying in all your Christian life. You have been saved. You are a child of God. But you are full of germs. You need the fire salt. A fire like salt to salt you. To kill all your contagious germs. To purify you. This is not just a punishment. But this is a preservation. This will preserve you. From being rotten. Corrupted eternally. So if you are going to suffer. To go through such a fair sorting. It is better for you. To learn to pray. Right now. Pray. Lord Jesus, no more I, but you. In my daily living, in my daily life, in everything, in big things, in small things, toward others, toward myself, toward my family. Lord, I am a praying person. By prayer, I overcome my lust. By prayer, I overcome every single lust germ. Then in this age, you enjoy Christ, right? Then in the coming age, you will enter into the fuller enjoyment of the eternal life, that is enjoyment of the kingdom. Bill, what's the difference between being salted with fire here in Mark chapter 9 and the Lord's references to the believers being the salt of earth in both Matthew and Luke? Yeah, this is interesting, Matt. You had asked that. In the portion in Matthew chapter 5 and Luke 14, the uh, wonderful phrase the Lord said to those there that uh, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, In the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, when salt is mentioned here, it portrays the believer's influence on the world. That's for salting the corrupted world. But in the other usage of salt, uh, this is in opposition to the purging fire, it's for salting of the sinning believers. Within the believers, after we're regenerated, we still have the nature of sin. We still have the lust. We still have these things, as Brother Lee said, in our nature. They're contagious. We like others to conform to what uh, our practices. We like to argue with others that we are better, that we're you know greater, and that we have something they don't have, and they should follow us and do what we think. These are all the germs within us, Matt, that have to be purged out, and the Lord uses fire here. So in, in this age, as believers— the Lord within us many times may put us into in situations where the fire right within us will burn away, and he's trying to burn away all these contagious things within us, right? And this is a kind of assaulting here of the germs that are within us. But being the salt of the earth there in Matthew refers more to the aspect of our 
assaulting others as far as salting the corruption that is in the world and dealing with all the worldly corruption and all the elements mainly that are outside of us. Well, Bill, we've run out of time, but may the Lord have mercy on all of us that we could really be praying people that it would be no longer I but Christ. We could be replaced by Christ in an experiential way. Thanks for coming in and doing this program with me. Very good, man. It's a very sobering word, and I hope we could receive something from this. We hope that uh, you'd call us at 888-LIFE-STUDY to get the printed materials to go along with this or any questions you might have about this program, this subject. Our phone number is 1-888-543-3788, or you can write to radio at lsm.org or send mail to Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. On behalf of Bill Lawson, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue through the life study of Mark. Witness Lee's remarkable commentary on the life of Abraham, taken from the life study of Genesis, is now available from Living Stream Ministry in a single volume entitled Abraham Called by God. Abraham Called by God by Witness Lee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. That's 1-888-543-3788.